0: You're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Neenham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Hello, everyone. It's me, Rich. I've got Henry with me. Hi, Rich. How are you doing? I'm good. How are
1: you, mate? I'm not too bad. I'm very well, actually. I've, yeah, we've been drinking beer.
0: <laughs> we have been drinking beer. We're, we are recording at yours? Yes, in front of a roaring fire, which you might be able to hear in the background. I, I do hope so. Mate. I think it'll make it feel very cosy for an episode if people can hear your fire. Yeah, a gently snoring spaniel in the background
1: if I'm just trying to conjure up some images.
0: Yeah, Um, it's lovely. And we have a delicious dark stout that we're drinking between us, which I'm going to try and encourage Henry not to drink in the first eight minutes of recording.
1: I'm being educated on tonka beans, which is apparently part of the stout. And how strong is this stuff? 11%. Eleven percent, right? Okay, hence Rich trying to pace me because otherwise, because <laughs> it, it's my pick this week, and if I
0: don't get through the end of the podcast, then it's a, uh, that's a job badly done. Yeah, if the second half of this is recorded sometime tomorrow early afternoon, <laughs> yeah, then you know why. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. It is your pick, and who have you picked? I have picked first aid kit
1: and the lines brilliant, or, um, which, okay. So sometimes on I might be wrong, we choose artists who push the boundaries Mm -hmm. and go off in all sorts i mean you've had some crazy german electronica and we've had some (laughs) kind of just we've had all sorts of really kind of quite wacky bands so what
0: edgy out there musical flavor have we got this time
1: we've got about the most middle of the road country americana folk that you could possibly imagine
0: (laughs) and it's fantastic but they're not from America, are they? Because I was surprised by this. Given their sound, they should be smack bang in the Midwest somewhere.
1: Yeah, and the more you read about them, the more strange it gets. So let me introduce them. Yes. Uh, it's a duo, sisters. It's Joanna and Clara Soderberg from Stockholm in Sweden. Of course. Uh, the, born the home in, of country music. The home of country music. They were born in 1990 and 1993, respectively. So... They're quite young, so not really the age of um, your kind of classic American country star, not growing up in the Midwest and not having this drip fed into them. So you would kind of assume that their parents were massive country music fans. Right. But not quite. So, <laughs> okay. so their dad was a member of a, a pop band called Lolita Pop. Um, okay. who you won't know no they were a swedish kind of think proper 80s pop so think kind of belinda Carlisle, bananarama right. type so I, I thought i'd check them out
0: right so this is the band that abba could have been <laughs> yeah but it's
1: classic 80s euro pop in the kind of most wonderful way their most well-known songs has this lyric tarzan on a big red scooter run me down like a rolling stone which is this kind of weird <laughs> you can kind of imagine that they've been looking through a dictionary and they've just muddled together this. what is um,
0: the name of that song because i'm going to put it on the playlist and it's going to be the first thing that anyone hears for this episode i think it might be tarzan on a big red scooter. Oh, okay, <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't quite know i'm i'm
1: guessing but i i think it i think that's it brilliant um, anyway so their dad's clearly a musician mm-hmm. um and i think they, in interviews, they talk about him always playing the guitar. He's always got um, instruments with him. And he produced a lot of their music. Right. Uh, and often he went on tour with them. So he he was an extra musician, effectively, in the band. So he's kind of... Well, I was going to say a driving force, but but he's not. Because his influences were more pop. But the sisters were into different music. So Clara, the elder sister... Uh, Was introduced to Bright Eyes when she was 12. Okay. Immediately got hooked onto that. That led her to Johnny Cash and Leonard Cohen. And so you've gone from this kind of 80s pop father to some pretty serious artists. Right. That's some top draw musical rebellion. Yeah. From a teenager. Yeah. A teenager who's gone right down that route. But um, Joanna went in another direction and it went into the kind of Britney and techno. Phase, okay, as you do, so yeah, you've
0: got this kind of really it's just an incredibly musical family right you can hear that from the just the sheer ability in the instrumentation and the songwriting in this in all of their albums that I've listened to yeah, and the
1: thing that if you've heard them, you'll notice instantly and if you don't know them you'll you will hear this with every single song is their their voices and the harmonies uncut wrote a review of them and put it very well. They said they have bell clear voices and a spooky ability to evince naivety and world weariness in the same breath. Which, yes. And I read that was like, wow, that's whoever wrote that, you know, hats off. Someone was uh, having a good day when they they wrote that line because it's true. Uh, And and bell clear voices you've got with with lesser artists. That kind of very powerful vocal sound, which is very clear, can be grating.
0: Yeah,
1: and if there's two of them doing it in harmony, it can sound really quite sharp. But mm-hmm. but um, first take it don't sound like that. They sound they sound wonderful. The harmonies are absolutely nailed on.
0: They're so good. And and again, said it before. I've said it again i'm a sucker for a brilliant harmony and the stuff that they do is just incredible yeah and so their early career well they went very
1: far very quickly so some of the bands that we've talked about have had very slow progression but first aid kit were really i mean in their what in their kind of mid to late teens Mm -hmm. they started taking it seriously i think um the elder, uh, Clara, applied to music school and got rejected. And okay. so it was a bit of a kind of, I oh, really fuck you, we'll <laughs> we'll try and make this work anyway. So they started recording, well, not recording, but they started busking. They performed in the, the Stockholm underground, the Stockholm Metro. Mm-hmm. They found the name in a dictionary. Right. So first aid kit, they were looking for a band name. And they looked at the the meaning of the word and thought, the meaning of first aid kit is something that we quite like the sound of yeah so um they chose it and they were noticed in 2008 when they covered fleet foxes tiger mountain peasant song nice which is really interesting for a couple of reasons because firstly it's fleet foxes which you know if you're going to do covers they would wouldn't be the first band i would choose but they're fantastic but also Tiger Mountain Peasant Song isn't one of their most well-known songs. It's lovely, but actually their cover of it, if you go and listen to it, it's done brilliantly. And its okay. they kind of put a bit of a, a twist on it. So off the back of that, they almost got almost international recognition very, very quickly. So their father produced the first EP, mm-hmm. but off the back of the that one song, that cover... Fleet Foxes got in touch with them and said, come on, (laughs) come on stage with us, can you come and play? (laughs) That led to their first album, produced by their dad, called The Big Black and the Blue. It's a good album, and actually it's produced really well because it basically nails their sound straight away. Okay. Listen to Ghost Town. Please listen to Ghost Town (laughs) off that album. It's absolutely wonderful. It's this magical, classic harmonious song which just it's quite enthralling it's quite yeah these these voices i don't know what it is about them they just nail it
0: so did you find them at this point with this album is this the point where you started to pick up on their music and their their style i didn't i was quite late to the party on
1: this one because they were going so far so quickly that music was becoming well known everywhere so off the back of that Bright Eyes got in touch, so Mike Mogus, who produced Bright Eyes albums with Conor Oberst, mm-hmm. Conor Oberst saw them in Stockholm and said, "Mike, can you produce an album, please, for these <laughs> girls because they're really, really good." Right. Then they went to Nashville. Jack White saw them and Jack White said, "Do you want to catch up, make music?" So suddenly they've gone huge. So they kind of basically got invited to
0: music royalty super quickly and i i'm not that surprised because you listen to their sound and it it's exactly the kind of thing that was really doing well at that point like the the late aughts, early teens it's just a sound that was becoming quite popular this return to quite as the new loud type scenes
1: yeah so just timings wise the big black and the blue was released in 2010 the lions were all which is the one um, is my favourite of their albums. That was 2012. Yeah, but at that point, they were big. I mean, I think it was probably Emmy Lou off the album that that I noticed first, and that was played everywhere. So, really, they've they've just hit the big time. I think Rolling Stone named Emmy Lou in their top ten songs of 2012. So yeah, often I like to kind of run around going, "Oh yeah, I heard of this band way before everyone else." with First Aid Kit, they were already popular and I, I really wanted them to be that kind of niche band mm-hmm. who you know that no one else does. But I remember reading a newspaper article and it was an interview with David Cameron, the <laughs> former UK Prime Minister, and it said, Who's your favourite band at the moment? And Cameron
0: said, First aid kit, and I read it and I was like, shit. <laughs> I no, I I can't I don't like that. But you know that that answer had been planted by one of his aides telling him what to listen to.
1: Well, I don't I kind of feel like he probably does actually genuinely enjoy that kind of thing.
0: Possibly, I, but someone will have foisted the album on him and gone, listen to, listen to this and tell everyone that you like it because it'll sound good for us to be plugged into youth culture or whatever.
1: Yeah, but I guess if we sell this podcast as I'm championing a middle-of-the-road folk album that is enjoyed by david cameron it doesn't sound good anyway uh,
0: i'm gonna have to argue with you on the middle of the road thing because middle of the road makes it sound mediocre accomplished but fine and this is not just accomplished but fine it's really really top draw musically
1: yeah i'm 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 doing them a disservice um
0: yeah stop that they're your band
1: yeah <laughs> so with this album so with the lions roar it came out in 2012. They're already big hitters. And I think with someone like Mike Mogus, the, the producer, he's really sent them to new heights. Although the sound doesn't sound that dissimilar to their first album. And actually, all their albums post that. They don't need to do much when you're a, a, a duo who can sing harmonies together as well as they can. And you kind of think, well, just just carry on.
0: It is that very classic sound, isn't it? Because you've got the folksy country shuffling drums and you've got the slide guitar and then the acoustic rhythm guitar that's keeping everything together and then it's just the vocals layered over the top of all that it's honeyed and it's beautiful
1: yeah and you've nailed it the honeyed vocals the slide guitar I mean that is as cliched as you can get but they use it perfectly they don't overdo it and I guess it's done with a producer who knows his shit, and you know they're performing in Nashville. There will be people in Nashville telling them, "This is how you make good music." Yeah, and they've done a great job.
0: Also, it's perfectly produced, not overproduced. Yeah, and it could be overproduced. Yeah, very easily.
1: Yeah, and I I like the boldness of this album. So you've got songs like "Emmy Lou" and songs like "Blue," which which are quite mature songs. The lyrics are a grown-up. They're Swedish, so this is not their native <laughs> language, and they're writing this um this really quite solid set of songs. Those two standouts
0: for me. Well, the opening lyrics for Lou "Oh, the bitter winds are coming in, and I'm already missing the summer. Stockholm's cold, but I've been told I was born to endure this kind of weather." That's a bit dark. It is, isn't it? But it's kind of dark, but it's also it's quite grown-up. Yeah. Exactly, that's exactly it. It's you said earlier, the quote from the review, it's absolutely bang on. That there's there's a almost a naivety about the music, but a world weariness around some of the lyrics. Yeah, in blue, which is a couple of songs later in the album,
1: the line, You're just a shell of your former you. Why do you look so blue? And then they say the only man you ever loved you thought was gonna marry you died in a car accident when he was only 22 and it's like oh my god that's like that's heartbreak right there but they yeah they just nail it and it just
0: does sound good and yet that song has this really upbeat positive sound to it with the xylophone being played in the background well that was going to be my next point is
1: we often hear about sad sounding songs that are uplifting but this is the opposite this is a this is a song which chirps along quite nicely but you listen to the contents and it's it's really quite sad
0: yeah i love that
1: and the rest of the album goes on i mean i could go through all of these and uh, and sing their praises but the last two songs on the on the album are probably standouts king of the world it's just this punchy song it's got this kind of more upbeat shuffle I'm nobody's baby, I'm everybody's girl, I'm the queen of nothing, I'm the king of the world. I don't know who wrote that line, whether they pinched that off someone or whether their dad said, look, I wrote this in the 80s with my <laughs> with my pop band, you should use this because this is a great lyric. It's a great lyric. Yeah. And then finishing off the album, so I was torn between The Lion's Roar and Stay Gold, which is the following album, which is also packed full of good stuff but the last song of the album is called Wolf and ah, oh, the chorus in Wolf just, I don't know, it's the kind of thing where let's say you're starting off a new life somewhere and your house is burnt down and your wife's left you and you're just disappearing off into the sunset and you put this on. It's got this kind of expansive, totally game-changing style to it. I, I absolutely love it. And yeah, as soon as it hits the chorus, I'm just, I'm sold. I'm in complete clover.
0: (laughs) So you've just mentioned Stay Gold. So I'm going to argue the case that Stay Gold is the better album of the two. Partly down to the fact that I think Stay Gold is the one that caught my attention. I liked the previous album, but I didn't go back to it time and time again. My Silver Lining, the opening strings on that, grab me and drag me in every time i listen to it let's not beat about the bush this is a
1: fantastic album this <laughs> yeah. really really is so it's hard to argue with you i think you're wrong <laughs> 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 but but it's very very good it, it it basically picks up where the last album left off
0: yeah master pretender master right, pretender is amazing but it's more upbeat there's some more positivity about it this is a healing world rather than one that's been torn down yeah and
1: and maybe I quite like my songs a bit darker, which is why the lines are appeals a bit more. Um, but Stay Gold, I think Stay Gold was the one I bought because right. the previous one I'd I loved to bits, but I'd never actually owned a copy. And then as soon as this was released, I I had to have a copy. And it stands up. The one thing you worry about with an album like this is that the first two songs are good, and then it kind of tails off. But the
0: whole album is is ace. Right. Well, Stay Gold. The track itself is wonderful. It's hard to pick favourite songs on here. I've already You've mentioned Master Pretender. I agree with you on that. But the opening three tracks on here are immensely strong.
1: Yeah, so they've come up with three great albums. Have you listened to Ruins? Yeah. What did you think? I was really excited about it because there's two previous albums with Ace. I didn't get along with it at all. Okay. I, I think it almost feels like uh, there's a spark that's gone out of them and I can't work out why. Something's not there anymore. There's. It's either that the kind of, I don't know, teenage kind of. Oh my god, this is a strange new world, has gone, and it just seems like, it's just a little bit more. They're more settled. Okay. And that, when you kind of settled down and you're a bit more chilled out, they lose their edge. So. Okay. Yeah, a, I can see that. In an LCD sound system way. They're they're losing their
0: edge. <laughs> I honestly haven't listened to ruins particularly it's one that sort of just passed me by and i still feel like stay gold was released last year and i'm still getting into it <laughs> yeah and maybe that's part of the problem is that i'm so obsessed with that album when i listen to them that i can't i can't spend time with something else
1: yeah um, if if you're new to them then stick
0: with the lions are in stay gold just because they're fantastic and yeah they're all good any tracks that you recommend off Ruins, or did you not really listen to it enough to get any? I think this is the problem that there isn't really a song on here which just grabs you by the balls.
1: They're all nice, and I I'm, I mean that in the most kind of damning way possible. They're kind of they're, <laughs> too nice. It's all it's all just I don't know. It, it just feels like they they kind of run out of ideas. And that sounds a little bit horrible, but then they've produced two absolutely fantastic albums, so they can take credit for that.
0: Well, you know, I mean, they've had four years since the last album, so maybe they've spent that time going away and thinking about what they want to do next and we'll get some kind of deep-cut electronica album from them.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, let's do it. The, yeah, I mean, you never know. They'd, they might do some proper 80s
0: stuff again. We're definitely due, due a release sometime soon, hopefully. Yeah, agree. I mean, it's a great call. I'm a fan of their work and I fully recommend anyone that hasn't spent time with them to go and have a proper listen because, I mean, I'm with you. They're great. And you and I could probably argue all day long about which of these two albums is the best, but both of them are fantastic and deserve your attention.
1: Yeah. And before you ask about live music, I haven't seen them, but if you go onto YouTube, there's a load of live performances because they they work really well live. There's one where they perform Lou Emily to Lou Emily Harris, I think, in Stockholm. Brilliant. And there's Emmylou Harris basically bursting into tears because they do it well. The other one that's worth a look is their cover of America by Paul Simon. They sing that to him. I think, again, in Stockholm. He's. Nice. I don't think it was the same thing, but he's turned up to watch them play. And at the end of the song paul simon stands up and gives them a standing ovation and goes (laughs) nice you nailed it Which i mean if that's the mark of a good artist when paul
0: simon stands up and gives you a clap you've got to be doing something right well i recommend going and seeing if you can find the end of the road garden stage set i think there's some stuff from there because i was i was at that one and it was my first ever end of the road that's that's cool yeah and uh yeah, went along to see them, really liked them, but I think that was before I'd really got into them because it would have been just around the time of that first album and I didn't really know them well enough to, I think, appreciate them fully. Yeah, and they've developed since that first album quite a lot. So. Yeah, so I would love to go and see them again. Give it, what, another either two or 12 years and they'll do a 10th or 20th anniversary tour of Stay Gold and I'll go and watch that. Yeah. So... In terms of inspirations, are they somewhere nothing. in the middle of... No, no nothing no? at all. No, I mean, it's like, <laughs> like it's
1: basically bang down the middle American country. And I love that stuff. We've, I mean, you know, we had uh, Jason Isbell, who's way more offbeat than those guys, even right. though he's quite country. I've talked about him before. But no, no influences. But I do have a, a huge soft spot for that kind of style of music. So hasn't influenced me at all but i think it's lovely
0: yeah no that's Um, fair enough and yeah thanks for bringing them up sorted i think grace will be very happy because she's a massive fan is she okay excellent good (laughs) well yeah i I, I, i'm sure she enjoys them too yeah brilliant all right cheers mate and thank you lot for joining us yeah thank you cheers thank you for listening to another episode of i might be wrong